Okay, here we go. The Pen and Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch your radio dial. The Pen and Maggie Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and laughs. Go. Welcome to the Pen and Mikey Show. Yes. I'd like to announce this special announcement. It's important. It's up to date. I have acquired, at great cost to me and my family, a brand new speech impediment. And I think it's awesome. And I'm going to use it for the rest of my broadcast career. If you don't like it, then suck on it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are you, are you kidding me? Huh? I thought you were serious, Mikey. I know. 24 episodes gone. 25 is today. Who would have thunk we could ever keep it together for that long? We have a very special guest. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, let me mention the brand new sponsor. Ready? Ed's Nipple Replacement Shop. No, it's Shining Rock. They're going to love me for this. Shining Rock Golf Club, which is in Northbridge, Massachusetts. It's my home course. It's 1.5 miles from my house. In fact, I've even been hit by a golf ball while raking. It's that close to the course, and uh, it's a it's an awesome, awesome course. Challenging. There are actual shining rocks on the course. Steve Burton had a hole. In fact, he had two holes in one there. Is it holes in one or hole in ones? He had two there, and uh, I swear by the place. So check out Shining Rock if you're a golfer, and trust me, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Joining Smitty and Ben and me. Is Sean McAdam, who I'm going to say right now, Sean, unabashed fan of your work, always have been. It's because it's because you're one of the few people I've ever found in this world that's actually a lot smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? You're keeping busy. I am. Which is good. Yep. But you got the alternative. Boston Sports Journal, uh, which is tremendous. Thank you. And, a, and an unbelievable bargain at twice the price. It would be a great bargain because you got good people working on that. Yeah, thing. we do. If, if uh, you don't mind me pumping it up a little bit, uh, Boston Sports Journal has been around. It'll be two years in July. It was um, started and created by Greg Bedard, who many of you know from uh, past work at Boston Globe, Sports Illustrated. Uh, he's our columnist, editor, owner, everything. He's uh, the man. Yep. Chris Price uh, covers the Patriots for us. One of the great people. Brian Robb, who many know from uh, the Sports Hub, is our Celtics person. And Connor Ryan does a terrific job with the Bruins. And we got Sean Sweeney on the Revolution. So we have not just four pro teams covered, but all five in New England. And um, we ask that you give us a little bit of a look-see. If you go on bostonsportsjournal.com, there's some free content that's unlocked that you can take a look at. We hope that you'll subscribe, as Mike referenced. It's a very affordable $34.95, and um, we have a lot of uh, satisfied readers and subscribers, and that's who we depend on to keep going, so hope that you check us out. It's tremendous, and it, uh, it is something everybody should definitely check out, but I was delighted to hear you on the radio. I, in fact, I texted you right away. I said, God, it's good to hear you. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of the pregame stuff, and I've even uh, you did sat an inning. in a little bit. Yes, yeah, was it I yesterday? two innings uh, yesterday. I've done uh, an inning a couple of times earlier and did full games in spring training, working with a number of guys that are rotating through as they, uh, as they uh, you know, go through a whole laundry list of different partners for Joe Castiglione. So, um, <laughs> but it's fun being... Uh, Back on the radio some more and talking baseball. Ben, did you hear him do two innings? Was it two? Yeah, yesterday. 
You, it was you and fourth and fifth. Rob yeah. Bradford and uh, what's his name? Uh, Will. The, uh, Will. Right. The the thing is that I, I'm, with all due respect to Rob Bradford, he sounds like he's got a bowl full of oatmeal uh, in his mouth when he's talking. You know, you have a good voice. Well, thank you. And, and he sounds like <laughs> you know Bradford. He's like <laughs> sounds like he's stuck between. Puking and choking oh, when he's come talking. On now. No, come no, on. All right, I'm being a little too harsh on you the are. guy. <laughs> but it's, it's all in good fun. It does sound like that to me, though. It does. Uh, but I think you should be on more. Is my point. Well, thank you. Uh, unfortunately, you don't get a vote. No, you didn't, who, who's you didn't have that guy? Joe Zarbano? Is that who you it is? You didn't have a vote when you were there. Never mind when you're not. <laughs> I got shunned at the at the voting booth uh, after that. Even turned though I'm away. American. No voter ID. So is it Joey that, that makes that call? Because uh, I'll, Joe's I'll, part of the decision making progress. Yeah, I'll call the guy. I haven't talked to him in three years. I'll call him. I'll say, Joey. I'm not sure I want that, Mike. Okay. All right, well, <laughs> we'll just let things naturally flow then, uh, because. You know, to me, it's like, first of all, if you have a good voice and you say things that make sense. And the one thing about you is that you're concise. You don't use words you I, don't I have need. seldom been accused of that, but I appreciate that. No, you don't use a whole lot of words to, to get to the same. You, you go right to the point and you state it clearly. And you, I've never met anybody uh, who's so as concise as you with the word choices. That's well, one I, of your big I, skills. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised to hear that praise. As I said, I, I'm used to having people tell me to shut up because I talk too much. So. Well, I'm not saying I understand what you're okay, saying. Okay, good. <laughs> you can't have too much. Uh, I don't know. The Red Sox whole but change. It's, it, it's a, it, I'm finding it an acquired skill to get your comment in even as slow as the pace of games can be. Right. Usually guys are throwing within 15 or 20 seconds or getting the ball back. You don't want to be stepping on Will Fleming, who might be doing play-by-play, or Mario Impemba, or Joe Castiglione, or any of the guys that are... Uh, or especially Sean McDonough. Or Sean McDonough. I have not had the pleasure of working with Sean. I hope I do at some point during the year. That would but... be great. Sean McD squared. Well, oh, Sean McKay. Sean, right. Sean, Sean Mick. Mick. I'm sorry. Squared. Sean Mick squared. Wouldn't right. that be great? Now you're not really Mick. You're part Irish. I'm 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 half Irish. Half Irish, and you're the other half is Portuguese. That's correct. So is that a good? I mean, how's your like? What's your diet like? <laughs> not very good, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, since uh, I could certainly stand away a lot less than I do, um, but you know, Irish food is not there, there's not a lot there. It's almost like why eat? Give me that beer. I I, I think I've <laughs> you know? settled in the middle and chosen. To eat a lot of Mexican food, which is my favorite. Perfect. You know what's great about Mexican food? I'm not sure why Mexican food is halfway between Irish and Portuguese food. But uh, well, I'm not sure Mexican food is a compromise. Food. Is it really food? Yes, it is. Good, good Mexican food is great. See, well, I'm, I, not, I, I'm not talking about you know <laughs> why I don't want to mention any places and Taco Bell. And, yeah, yeah, and turn off any potential sponsors. So you might I have. love Taco Bell. The thing well, is, is it really food? Like, for example, I love corn in the cob. But Ben, you've had corn in the cob, right? Yeah. Do you ever see that corn again? Yeah. Do you see it soon? Relatively. Does it look like corn? Mm. It's not food. Okay, the body says... It's grass. Hey, hey, you get over there. You're not food. And and I think it does the same thing with taco. You wonder why it comes wrapped in a diaper. But I love it. I swear to God, if I could go to Taco Bell every single day, I would. You could. Right now I'll go. Fact, yeah, Sean, what do, you, what do you mean? If you could, it's not you can't afford to go to Taco Bell every day. No, but there's a guilt thing, you oh, know. Okay. And then I, you know, I wake up with nightmares, and I'm speaking yeah, you'd be Spanish. Probably waking up with more than nightmares. 
<laughs> what is that? What is that thing? Uh, anyway, back to baseball for a second. Yes. Okay, because I, you know, I love baseball. I know you love baseball. Mm-hmm. Ben loves baseball. Smitty loves baseball. We all do. But there were you just mentioned the time. Uh, uh, the guy holds onto the ball between each pitch. Uh, the speed of the game, the bad mouthing that's going on with people saying, "Oh, it's only for old guys now." I'm not going to sit there for four hours and watch a game that should take two and a half hours. The pace of the game—it's boring, and the kids aren't watching. What do we do about this? Because it's still the same great game. It is a great game, and I, I still enjoy it. And it's a game that I've watched since uh, I, my first baseball memories go back to the impossible dream season of '67. I would have been seven. I would have been eight, going on nine. And um, that that was my introduction to the game. And, you know, here it is 50-something years later, and I've been fortunate enough to cover the game for uh, – this is my 31st year covering the Red Sox. So, I obviously, you got to love baseball to do what I do, and right. I do. Right. But there are, some, there are some issues. One is pace of game. Uh, and it's important, and this is one thing I used to agree with Bud Selig about. It isn't necessarily time of game. It's pace of game. You don't want a four-hour game if you can avoid it, if there's not a lot of action. But if the game is moving and things are happening, then a three-hour and 20-minute game shouldn't be too overwhelming for anybody, or yeah. even a 310 or It wouldn't or be those games is. that bother people, though. It would be the games that go 320 that nothing's happening. Right, where it's a two-to-one game. How, yeah. how does it take three and a half hours to play a game in which only three runs are scored? And that leads me to uh, what I think is almost a bigger problem than pace, and that is lack of action, where games are now, you know the phrase, three true outcomes, right? Walk, strikeout, and home run. Mm-hmm. And when you have games in which more than half of the at-bats are ending in one of those three, walk, strikeout, or home run, then the ball is not being put in play. That's right. There is not a lot of action. You're not seeing guys run the bases. You know, they're trotting around the bases because every seventh guy is hitting the ball 420 feet and hitting it out of the ballpark. Right. And people like home runs. I get that. But we have lost, in many cases, you know, the four-run inning that starts with a single and then maybe a double and it's second and third and a sacrifice fly knocks in one run and a single knocks in the second. And right. there's a pitching ch- – you know, there's an actual rally being built. Everybody is swinging from their ass – and trying to hit the ball 450 feet, yep. and when they do it, it goes a long way. But uh, in between, there's a lot of strikeouts. Well, they're also taking their time getting in there and getting that done. When they're, it's all to me. I look at these guys. And I think they're all camera hogs. They all want to be on camera. Especially, I mean, I'm gonna get into David Price a little bit because this is the worst guy of all. It's like. It's like he's getting paid by how many minutes his face is on the on TV. The guys get out of the box, they walk around, they fix their gloves, they fix their cup, they do the whole thing. I was saying to to Smitty earlier tonight, Ted Williams stood there until the guy pitched. Right. And I think that had a bit more psychological yeah, I, I impact. Wanna, I want to try to avoid, you know, old man yells at cloud or whatever you want to say here. because we're Well, gonna... then this isn't the show for you. <laughs> you mean like get off my lawn type of guy? Yeah, yeah. Why? Because I, 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 I don't want to come off that way because it's not, you know, things were better when I was well, in, yeah, in my day and all and that. And we liked it Look, that Look, there, there's a lot of great players. There's a lot to like about baseball in 2019, and I still love the game. But that doesn't mean I don't think there aren't some improvements that could be made and you know pace of play is one in the whole yeah i, I yeah. agree with you it's a little it's 
it's tiresome to see guys step out after every pitch, yes. adjust the gloves, do all of that. and They're primping. Uh, you know, and when there was talk about a pitch clock being implemented for 2019, you heard a lot of players say, oh, you know, I, I can't do that. I can't be in there. I, I can't be not having the time to step out and think about what my game plan is going to be on the next pitch. Sure. And I remember thinking, you know, somehow, some way, Hank Aaron hit 755 home runs without ever stepping out to think, adjust his gloves. Or to think. He already knew what he's doing. Yeah, right. You know? I, and, and I just and, – and I think that's a big problem – that that the game faces in terms of uh, picking up pace of play is that the players not only see this as a bargaining chip in future labor negotiations and don't want to give it away without getting something back. You mean play, pace of play? Yes, like you know things like the pitch clock and other changes. They want that to be negotiated, and I understand that the the union is looking out for its membership, but the problem is that the players don't believe pace of play is is a problem. So it isn't just an unwillingness to negotiate this quickly. It's a refusal to acknowledge that this is hurting the appeal of the game. Well, see, that's and where they should be more aware that the future of their game that they love and that they play and that we all love is 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 threatened by this pace of play. It's huge. It's one of the it's one of the things that has to change. What else? Well, as I said, I, I think as big, if not bigger, issue is the whole all or nothing of guys trying to swing Home run the strike ball. Out. Right, yeah. right. I mean the the. There, there are a lot of games now, Mike, where at more than half of the outs are strikeouts. Right. That's astonishing. The ball is not being put in play. And then you add things like the shift. And I, don't, I know there's been some suggestion to restrict that or to legislate that there are two guys on each side of second base. I don't think that's an issue. I think eventually the game evolves and adjusts. And this is one thing that the defense has done to try to try to combat the offense. And now it's up to you know pitching and teams to learn how to correct that. And back and forth it goes. So that isn't an issue. But, but is baseball being taught wrong to these young kids that are now trying to swing for the fences every single time? I mean, is it? I, I know it's drastically changed since I watched it as a kid, as far as what the priorities are. But are the basics of baseball, actual strategy of moving runners along, uh, you know, hit and run, bunt? Uh, well, you know that fundamentally, players are not as good as they were twenty and thirty, certainly forty years ago. Right? They're, they get to the big leagues quicker than ever. I mean, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is a great talent and I'm sure is going to have a, a terrific, maybe even Hall of Fame career and become, uh, I think, the first father-son uh, duo in, in Cooperstown. Um, but he's 19 years old, right? you know, and I, I don't care how much of a hit tool you have or how much raw talent or skills that you have or how much athleticism mm -hmm. there are things that if you get to the big big leagues at 19 look and i know people can go back and say well bob feller got there as a teenager right, and right. everything else but those guys are really um it's rare for that to happen and and we're talking there's about Fortnite in, vaping there's poontang there's a lot of things that get you in trouble when you're 19 years old that's true ben knows that mm. well except for the poontang part unfortunately <laughs> the thing is, 19 years old, there have been guys that have come in 19 years old and been, but there are not that many of them. You can name it. A-Rod, Griffey. Dwight I mean, Gooden. Doc Gooden. Yeah, there's, there's not that many of them. And, uh, and to 
And by the way, Doc Gooden didn't keep his nose exactly right. clean, you know, at, at the age of nineteen. But he, but he was dominant as a teenager. He was. Yep. He was eighty-four-ish. Yes, somewhere around there. Yep. Um, this year's Red Sox team. We we went through this. We endured this uh, whole. Uh, you know, what were they seven and twenty? Well, they started <laughs> two and eight, and then they were. Uh, they were later, I think, thirteen and twenty, or you know, they were yeah. seven games, seven eight games coming on the heels of the greatest statistical year the Red Sox have ever had as a franchise. I have a beef with the investment process by some major league clubs and starting pitching. Now, here's why I say this: I know starting pitchers when they're great, you know, they can, you know, it's not the Orioles in nineteen seventy or whatever, but. They can keep things in order for you and your bullpen fresh and all that stuff. But when I see guys getting twenty, twenty-one, thirty million dollars a year, and then seeing them fall to shit, I say, well. And by the way, it's not just the Red Sox. It, it happened to have struck. You know, the Red Sox. Evaldi got the big contract, and then he. And then you thought Sale was going to be hurt because he was pitching weird, and you know, here goes Price on the on the. They're a really, really sensitive bunch. Uh, and I, I have a hard time believing that uh, 80 or $100 million of any team's payroll should be dedicated to starting pitching. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I see that viewpoint. But you also recognize that pitching is the most important aspect of the game and that in having um, five guys who give you the chance when they're healthy to go out and give you six-plus innings every night and give you a chance to win – it's hard not to put a lot of dollar value on that kind of skill. I mean, as as good as Mookie Betts was last year, as good as J.D. Martinez was, as good as Xander Bogarts, look, a lot of guys had terrific years last year, but they won in October because of that starting pitching and, and the ability to shut teams down. David Price, uh, having never won a, a postseason start before last year, closes out the ALCS with – and the World Series, the yeah. clinching games. Uh, well, he finally earned his money. Yep. I mean, uh, prior to that, I'd be hard-pressed to say that he earned $30 million a game, $30 million a year, realizing that that's a million dollars every time he takes them out. Mm-hmm. And that's how about Max? How about Max Scherzer? Is he worth it? Well, I think he, he, he tends to go deeper into the games, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, He's I He's been pretty I good over the last three years. Chris Sale, though, has, like, Price definitely underachieved in his first few seasons in Boston, uh, made up for it some last year, pitched actually pretty well during the season except against the Yankees, and then pitched extraordinarily well in the postseason. But Chris Sale has been one of the three or four best starting pitchers in the game for the last half dozen years. So why would you not pay him top of the market? Well, he's not even – he's getting half this year of what what David Price is getting. I guess maybe it's a David Price thing. You know, he takes so fucking long to throw the ball, this guy. It's like it drives me nuts. It's like throw it. Yeah, when there are runners on base, you can get up and take a go to, shit. Go to the kitchen and get whatever you need, <laughs> or take a shit in the kitchen. You could. It doesn't matter. In between pitches, when there are runners on base. <laughs> uh, then you know the other thing I got on the list with him. I like Eck. You know, mm-hmm. I'm an Eck guy. And the way that thing that he pulled off with yeah. it, uh, and then there's, this, there's no defending that. Absolutely. He's so sullen. I, 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 I find Price to be an interesting guy to talk to at times. Yeah. Uh, especially one on one. 
He's not good. Uh, he comes off as more defensive in group things. Uh, group interviews, yeah. Right. And Does he uh, take longer to answer questions than he does to no, throw a pitch? No, he does pitch? not. He does not. <laughs> uh, and one-on-one, he's actually a pretty thoughtful guy who can give you some pretty honest and insightful comments. But to me, there's no defending the treatment of Dennis Eckersley that went on a few years ago. Yeah, and, that was and, bad. And that'll always be attached to him in Boston. It's, it's certainly less prominent in your thinking of him now because of how well he pitched in October and the team's success. But it'll always be attached to him, and you know, frankly, he earned that designation. He did, I, and I'm, you know, I'm, you know me. I like the old guys, you know, the old guys that didn't make a whole lot of money that it seemed to play for the love of the game, and the love of the game is probably still there with all these players. Oh, you think Eck didn't make a whole lot of money? Well, no, but he 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 pitched his entire career, Hall of Fame. He had almost 200 wins. He had 300 and what, however, saves. 511 victories. He was involved in more than that. And he made less in in his entire career than David Price made last year. Okay, well, things have That's changed. That's why it bothers me. Is that literally true? Add it up. Add go, it up. Let's go on his baseball reference you, page. Go ahead. Ben, type that in there. Dennis Eckersley's salaries. $30 million. I was less than $30 million in his entire career. Are, are you saying that with some certainty, or are you guessing? I, I would bet this vaporizer on it. See this vaporizer right here? It's on the table. While Ben's looking up the, by the way, he says no, no internet. <laughs> hey, don't go to porn sites. We're trying to do a podcast here. Um, we were all saddened when, when we lost Nick Cafardo. You worked yeah. with him for so many years. Yeah. You got any thoughts on the great Nicky? It, it was a, a terrible loss uh, and shocking too, because it was so sudden. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I, I've known Nick for as long as I've been covering the Red Sox, which is to say going all the way back to 1989 and probably met him before that at least once or twice. And um, we were two of the older guys on the beat and, uh, you know, accordingly would uh, have dinner together sometime and, um, you know, uh, it, it was it was just shocking. As I said, I, I saw him maybe 10 or 15 minutes before he was stricken. I went up to the press box Somebody said that, uh, you know, there was a, an ambulance out back and somebody had fallen and hit in their head. And then I heard it was Nick and I thought it was just kind of he fainted because of the heat. And, uh, you know, less than an hour later, I got a phone call telling me that he had passed away. And it was just it was a horrible day. It cast a pall on uh, on most of the spring for a lot of us that knew him and uh, impacted a lot of people. And and here we are you know, three or four months later, and I, I still am half expecting to see him when I walk into the press box right. somewhere. Hasn't hit you yet completely. Yeah. yeah. He, I, he was loved by everybody. I mean, the guy was – I used to have him on my TV show in the 90s, and he was, you know, relatively new at that time to the to the whole thing. But just one of the easygoing guy, you know, he was never vindictive or nasty uh, to anybody. He was great. Yeah, I, I mean, he was very helpful to uh, one and all, including me. When I started, and I, uh, the uh, the Globe uh, actually asked some people who had known him for a long time to uh, to write a little remembrance of him the Sunday after he passed, and I told the story of the first year I was on the beat when, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know, and uh, one day he uh, kind of motioned me to the back of the press box in Chicago and told me about something that was going on with oil can Boyd that he was going to be sent down or suspended or you know, something was going to happen the next day that I had no clue about. Cause I had been on the beat about two months and I'm just trying to 
uh, tread water. And, you know, he wanted to make sure that a new guy wasn't looking bad the next morning by not having the story. That's and, nice. uh, you know, that's the kind of, that's perfectly emblematic of who Nick was and uh, the way I'll remember him most. Nicky Cafardo. What'd you come up with, Ben? Dennis Eckersley, it says here, 27,600,000. I'm over here like this with my hands in a victory pose. $27 million is less than... Thirty-one million, exactly. So you know, that's why the David thought, Price yeah, thing look, pissed look, me I off. I knew that I, I didn't think Eck had made a hundred million, but I thought he would have. Uh, I thought he would have made a little more than thirty-one million. But see that twenty-seven million in you know nineteen ninety dollars. Yeah, yeah, three million dollars in nineteen. But you know what, David Price should look at it and say, "Well, geez, I never won twenty. Oh, he won twenty games, but uh, I, I never had no hitter. I never, uh, yeah, but, you know." Uh, but Price, Price has won a Cy Young. And finished second in another. So, and, and that was before he came here, yeah. which led to him being able to command that kind of salary. Yeah, I, I guess with me, it's like I have guys that don't finish their games, guys that don't get a complete game it's ever. It's a different game now. I know. Mike. I know. Yeah, right. And, I, and, I mean, I, and that's not their fault as right. much as it is fault of the people who, you know, align the pitching staffs and bring in, and bring in the people. But to me, just maybe because I'm really, really old fashioned, the complete game is dead. I mean, Louis Tion finished 38% of his major league starts. And these guys don't do two a year. They don't. They, they do. The, the league leader has three. What did you say about old man screaming? I was just Get off my that. fucking lawn, you sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah, that's always, it's always bad swearing by old guys like that. They don't say, you know, they always say, sons of bitches. Or they say, oh, what the Christ is going on? You know, they don't put them together as well as they used to, you know. <laughs> Um, so you have now you have a book America's sports uh, America's best sports town Boston Bo- colon okay America's best sports. see how it I makes, knew I was having colon problems see how it makes a little more sense now that there's actually a town <laughs> before as if it was going to be any other town, town but well, Boston well you could have read the entire proper title <laughs> yes about a year ago uh, I had a, my first book published called Boston America's best sports town. And uh, it, it was uh, it was a fun project to do. Uh, got to talk to a lot of people. Got to think about a lot of things that uh, I witnessed either doing this job, covering other sports as I did earlier in my career, or uh, when I was a, a fan growing up. And you know, I'm a lifelong New Englander, so I I remember you know most of everything with the big four teams in town from '67 on. I, I've always followed, and that's 52 years. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've I've followed uh, baseball the closest, obviously, for professional reasons, uh, and hockey, as a lot of people know, is, love is another of my probably my co-favorite sport. Uh, baseball and hockey are kind of one and one a, less so with basketball, but I certainly remember uh, Celtics championships of the '70s, late '60s, and '80s, and. Uh, the Patriots' humble beginnings and trials and tribulations, but it was a fun book to put together, and and uh, and you know it sort of made the fun argument that you can have about a number of different cities that America's best sports town is Boston for any number of reasons. One is the history here. You know, all four teams are essentially um, charter members of their respective leagues. The right. Patriots with the AFL, not the NFL, and obviously. always in the hunt. You know, pretty much. Yeah. Um, 
the Red Sox being a charter member in the American League with the dominance in the early part of last century. The Celtics, everybody knows their history and and record of success and and uh, 17 world championships. And uh, the Bruins and going back to their origins and Eddie Shore and great players through the history of Bobby Orr to present day. So, uh, And then add in things like you know, Marvin Hagler growing up in greater Boston, uh, the Harvard-Yale game and Harvard football. The Boston Marathon. Being essentially the beginning of college football in the country. The Boston Marathon, um, the head of the Charles Regatta, the, you know, things that, the Beanpot Tourney, which no other city has a college hockey tournament with the history and pageantry and, uh, and all that goes into the Beanpot. So all those things together, you know, it was kind of a, Discuss this among yourselves uh, because the publisher that I worked for actually put out one in Chicago that made the case for oh, Chicago <laughs> being <laughs> that lion sack of shit. <laughs> you know, uh, let me just say something. We have so we have that in common. Now you've we have that in common. I didn't know that. Was you've written a book and I I read a book. <laughs> Same and thing. it was recent. And Ben's read a book. Um, it had lots of pictures and everything. And lots of nice and it had a nice green cover. It's in my. I have it in my uh, over there. Um, so let me ask you a couple of baseball questions. Pedroia, what's going to happen to him? Is he done or possibly done? Increasingly, it looks like it's it's harder and harder to imagine him coming back and, and contributing on any sort of regular basis. Uh, you know, as we record this, um, he had his rehab assignment with AA Portland cut short today. And I'm told that it was less about real long-term concern about the knee, although he had soreness enough that it kept him out of the lineup Saturday night. He got scratched uh, when they were supposed to be playing in Trenton in an Eastern League game, playing for AA Portland. So he came back, got examined. More than anything, it was a timetable. So these rehab assignments last 20 days for position players. They'd already burned up 12. He was going to miss a couple of days. There's been rain. There's going to be rain in Portland this week. So they said, we're going to take him off the assignment wait a few days, and then restart the clock so they can get 20 more days to give him additional time. But here's what would concern me. He was unable to play a third game in the span of four days in the first place. Yeah, which happened last year, too. Right, after a and happened you know, earlier this yeah. year when uh, they were in New York, and he had to come out of the game after feeling something, quote, pop in that knee during an at-bat at It was Yankee some Stadium. dead guy's uh, bone that popped yeah, in there. Yeah, he's got cadaver He's, he's got uh, cadaver legs. Stuff in his, uh, in his knee. That was one of his one of his best lines of the spring when somebody asked him, you know, is your knee ever going to be the same? He said, I don't know. It's not even my knee anymore. <laughs> some uh, dead guy. Uh, now, guests of the uh, Planet Mikey podcast, including Ben, you know, he's not really a guest, but tonight he is. Tonight he's hanging out. He's watching TV while, you know, while we talk. And uh, what's on, Ben? Houston, Detroit. Uh, guests of the Planet Mike podcast eat sometimes lobster and chops or steaks at the loft in North Andover or at Joe Fish in North Andover and North Reading. My favorite seafood restaurant in all of America. Did I tell you I'm a Lyft driver now? Yes, you did. Isn't that interesting? It is. Let's tell. And, let's talk and about somehow, it. And somehow entirely fitting. <laughs> On the road again. Woo-hoo! I can't wait to get home. I think I am the Willie Nelson of podcasts. I really do. Not that my clothes smell like reefer or my hair is too long for my face. 
It's that uh, I'm always on the road, and I'm, uh, I got two lift stories I got to tell you guys. First of all, this is unbelievable. I didn't tell you last week. I, I forgot to, but it happened last week. The story of Gifty. Gifty is a woman who called Lyft, wanted a Lyft ride, so I showed up. And she was at a hotel, and she was working there. I guess she's a, a maid. Because when I pulled up and I waited a couple minutes, all of a sudden, Gifty appears. And she was a big broth of a woman, a big, I think she was Jamaican, but probably 300 pounds. And she comes bouncing out to the car and says, we'll be back in five minutes, man. So I said, okay, I'll wait, you know, because I'm, I'm polite. I'm sitting there waiting. All of a sudden, she and her, her maid partner come out. And I open the trunk because they had a, tons of stuff they were carrying. Sheets, garbage bags, <laughs> uh, soaps, I think everything I see where you, this is going. you used to do a, a maid job on a, on a... And they put it in my trunk. My trunk almost wouldn't shut. It was f- so full of their crap. And they get in. I said, where are we going today? Framingham. But first, we have to stop at the hotel across the street. Okay, I pull into the hotel, they get out with all their shit, all their cleaning stuff, their sheets, their towels, their, and they get all, they unpack it on the, uh, on the, on the, the front entrance way to the second hotel. I look at my app and it says, that's it, you're dropping them off there. I said, what about Framingham? I thought I was driving to Framingham with these two. She didn't put the second destination in. So I'm waiting there for another 10 minutes while they're figuring out what they're doing. They couldn't correct the app. And I said, I got to go, you know. I said, there's people waiting for rides, okay? So I start to get back, and I realized that my son's car seat is gone from the trunk. They unpacked all their shit, and they took my two blankets and my son's car seat. So now I got to go back, and I say, hey, excuse me, but you're stealing my fucking car seat over here. I was a little bit pissed. They find it. I drive away. I'm thinking, boy, that was a nightmare. I took him about a quarter of a mile for $3, and I had to listen to Gifty shit. And then I get a call 10 minutes later. Gifty is on the phone. Did you see? Did you find a purse in the back seat? I said, no, I didn't. She said, well, but I really need it. Could you look again? I glanced over my shoulder. It wasn't there. I said, it's not there. She goes, I need to find the purse. I said, I'm sick of you fucking people. And I hung up the phone. And I didn't. I was like, that was the end of that. I thought, Gifty. Why is her name Gifty? You know what I mean? She's no Gifty. Is that the equivalent of get off my lawn, Mike? It kind of is. Yeah. All right, I got that off my chest. Get out feel, of my car. I feel better now, right? But here's what happened to me two nights ago. I pick up a guy. We're driving. I'm taking him for about ten miles. I, he's telling me how he did five years in prison. I said, Well, what? Why'd you do five years in prison? He said, I robbed a bank. I'm driving a bank robber in the back of my car. What a real. Could, what could go wrong? I said, "Well, wow!" I said, "Well, how much money did you get?" He said, "Twenty thousand." I said, "So you did five years?" He goes, "Yep," and I didn't give the money back. He kept the money, uh, and he said, I, "I'm not." I said, "You're not going to a bank tonight, are you?" He said, "Oh no." He says, "It took me five years to get my family to talk to me again." You know, after robbing that As bank. one could imagine. So I had a gifty and, a, and I had a bank, uh, robber. a bank robber all in the life, on the day in the life of a Lyft driver. Ben, I, by are the you, way. Are you Lyft exclusively or Lyft and Lyft. Uber? Yeah. And I, if you refer a friend, you can get $200. I put your name in, Ben. Thanks. <laughs> I, why? I'm I not know. driving for Lyft. I'll give, I'll give you half. Oh, okay. I'll give you half the money. All right? No. So, 
So, Sean McAdam is uh, now you're doing uh, the radio, and it's great to hear you on the radio. Not only doing the games, but doing the pre and the post. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a good time. It's nice to, uh, as I said, talk baseball on the radio. But no more TV at uh, at Comcast. No. no, none whatsoever. Zero. Not even any of those infomercials. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Not a lick. I have the feeling he's got nothing more to add to that story. That's correct. <laughs> I had my own experiences with them too, but I won't get into that either. That's, we can tell we can tell war stories later on. <laughs> now we have a thing called phrase that pays. The phrase that pays, and we'd like to have Sean McAdam uh, pick the phrase that pays for the person that's going to win our coffee cake, like, like we do every single week. So you give out a sp- secret phrase, and the first person that tweets this phrase that you're about to say to me at Planet Mikey. Uh, wins a, a, a my grandma's coffee cake shipped directly to their house. All right. So what's the phrase? Since we're talking baseball, how about hum baby? <laughs> hum baby. Isn't that? Oh no, that, I was thinking. Rob Rob Bradford says boom sauce. Well, that's a that's a promotional thing he does. Well, he he and he says it with with uh, you know oatmeal in his mouth. So uh, it's beer. It's hum baby. Right. Hum baby is the phrase that pays. Right. You know, the, you're you're in little league or oh yeah 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 you know no better no better easy better hum baby right there we go oh, got it uh, and the first person that tweets to me at Planet Mikey wins the cake it's that simple who was the first person last week Mikey uh, God I forgot some dude he won the cake last week and it's all it, go on Twitter and find out for yourself Smitty damn it uh, nice to see you Sean. It's nice to see you Thanks as well, Thanks for man. coming in. My and, pleasure. Uh, it's, again, it. it's great to hear you on the radio. And don't forget, Boston Sports Journal is where it's at, and that's where Sean writes, and you can get it by going to B, what is it, BSJ? BostonSportsJournal.com. Very good. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Mike. Thanks.